You are listening to Kingdom Faith, where we talk about the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. On today's episode, we'll be doing week two of looking at spiritual gifts. And this week, the gifts are leadership. And that's leadership, administration, and shepherding. So I'll begin with talking about leadership. Um, I think, obviously, leadership is a big part of any church. It's a big part of anybody's life. You see it. Obviously, in the work field, you see it in your home, you see it, obviously, like we're going to be more talking about in the church. So, you know, when we when I was looking at these three gifts, there's a lot of similarities. So mm-hmm. we're going to do our best to kind of break them, break them up, to try to show their differences, because they all have to do with leadership. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit gives this gift of leadership, um, basically, to help lead and guide people within the church, whether that's the spiritual growth, whether that is what overall is what, you know, I kind of looked at it is this gift is a person who, you know, is just a visionary. Mm -hmm. They have a vision um, and they tend to execute that vision. Yeah. I would say that what we're going to talk about today, you could almost throw back to our uh, godly vision episode. Mm -hmm. Like these three gifts will go very hand in hand with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a lot of times we'll even see that, you know, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, I I can't really say, but, um, a lot of times a person with this gift will base their success in leadership off of other people's success. Um, so if, if they are leading, guiding a group of people and those groups of people are really doing good in their spiritual walk, a lot of times that will lift up and encourage the leader. Um, so the kind of the difference though with this gift with administration or shepherding is the fact that and it's not always a bad thing, um, but they're not going to have let's say the details all worked out. Hmm. Um, they're not going to have you know every single I dotted and T crossed. Um, and that's ne- not necessarily a bad thing. That might actually produce you know more unity and teamwork within the church with people with the gift of administration and shepherding. Um, and a person can have all three of these. They could have two of them. They can just have one of them. Um, it all depends on you know how the Holy Spirit kind of puts those gifts within the church. But you know they're going to definitely lead relationally. Um, they're probably going to have a deep concern with the well-being of the people that they're leading. Um, all good stuff. All stuff that you know we need to also do in our our walk when we're discipling. You know, as Jesus calls us to make disciples. Um, leadership goes right along with that, obviously. But they're more likely maybe to take more risk than a person with the gift of administration because the person with that gift you know, is more detail-oriented. But you really can see the qualities in a leader kind of blossom even more when, let's say, a crisis comes up. You're going to see that person with that gift is going to have the ability to lead and guide you know, that group of people out of that situation, mm-hmm. whether how long it do- takes, that, that doesn't really matter. Um, but we were talking about before, and we talked about it last week too, is that all these gifts are really centered around this one thing, and it's humility. You got to be humble, um, and especially in the gift of leadership, because if you're prideful, you're not going to be a very good leader. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be able to guide people where you want. And to be a person uh, that has humility and a person that leads with humility, you got to understand who God is. you got to understand who, how God leads. 
Um, and when you kind of put those things in perspective, um, like Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. A good leader understands who establishes his steps. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a leader in your church, hopefully you understand who actually establishes your steps. And that's Jesus Christ. That's God. Um, he's the one that... Um, you might have this vision. He might have even given you this vision as we talked about with a godly vision. But he still continues to establish your steps. And that works with all of these gifts, but specifically with leadership because God's entrusting you to lead a group of people. And I think that's very important. Yeah. Uh, what you just said makes me think of, I'm, I'm currently reading Crazy Love by Francis Chan, so mm-hmm. book plug. But he talks about this idea that sometimes, and this kind of goes back to the gift of giving, but it also works with the gift of leadership, that we view the gift of giving or leadership as sacrifice. You know, we are sacrificing our time to work for the church, to work for God's kingdom. When in reality, God's giving us the ability to work for his kingdom and to build up others and to lead the growth of the church. And that was a really good connection. And thank you for helping me make it, Phil. (laughs) Uh, I think with leadership, specifically the gift of leadership, look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the great example for, for leadership, but also for all of these gifts. And, you know, you could say any gift. Jesus is always the go-to answer, but Jesus was a servant. He was a servant leader. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the Last Supper and when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And that's uh, John 13, 4 through 5. So Jesus got up from the supper. He laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. And he poured water into a basin and began, and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. This was a job assigned for a servant, mm-hmm. for the least among them. And Jesus is, is setting the example to, deci- to the disciples this is how you need to go forward. This is how you need to act. You need to honor those who are underneath you. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, he made himself, you know, great. Like the last becoming first and yeah. all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's right on the money. <laughs> uh, it's to be an effective leader, you must also be a servant. And I think the Bible illustrates that very well with the life of Jesus, with those moments with the disciples. Think about how great of a leader Jesus must have been to take a ragtag bunch of guys from mostly fishing, but they some had some other jobs, but to evangelists, to people spreading the gospel, with men with boldness and confidence for the gospel. Mm. Um, That just showed how great of a leader Jesus must have been. Um, Did the disciples have their flaws? Well, of course. They're, They're just like us. We have our flaws. We're never going to be the perfect leader. We're going to make mistakes. And just because you have the gift of leadership doesn't mean that you're also going to never make mistakes. Especially if maybe you just have the gift of leadership. This is why the church should be unified as one. So the gifts work in accordance with one another. And I think that's pretty clear. The Bible makes that pretty clear that... um, us being one body, all members have a function. You know, if you take an arm away, the body's going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, with leadership. Um, if you need people in uh, your church that have other gifts to complement you as a leader and with that gift as well. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next one, Ben. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about administration? 
Yeah, administration, I would say that is the, the next step of the, these gifts of leadership. Administration looks like taking of the vision that has been casted by the church or by the pastor or by whoever, cutting it down into little bite-sized pieces, and then distributing the work. If your vision is to build a counseling service, if it's to build a school, you can cast that vision and you can say, okay, we're going to build a school, but how are you going to do it? You might be able to say, I think as a church we're called to build a school, but if you can't get that job done, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means you need someone who can get that job done. So I would say the gift of administration, they're very task-oriented. They are trying to get things done. They can set goals for themselves. They can set deadlines. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, these are your business savvy people. Yeah. And I think for this one, it's good to emphasize that these gifts can come and go because I am not an administrative person whatsoever. But for my current position in the church, I feel like I have been blessed with a little bit of administration mm-hmm. because I do work on a deadline schedule. I do work towards very specific goals that mm-hmm. I don't think I could do without the grace of God. Yeah. The the biblical example that I wanted to use was in Exodus when Moses has just uh, left Egypt with all the people and they're trying to figure out what life's going to look like while they're going to the promised land. I am not sure if they've been sent into their 40-year exile yet at this point. But he's talking to his father-in-law about how difficult everything is, how all the people are coming to me. And his father-in-law, Jethro, says this to him. He says in Exodus 18, 17 through 23, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you and you can't handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and instructions, but select capable men from the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as the officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. So that's a lot of scripture, but it's very practical Mm -hmm. scripture. Leaders can't do it alone. If you, if you're a leader and you don't have anyone to lead, are you really a leader? <laughs> and the people who have the gift of administration understand this. They can take the vision, cut it down into doable bite-sized pieces, and distribute the work in order to get it done. Yeah. You know, example that I was kind of looking at, and it's not specifically on administration, but I think it it can apply. And that's when, you know, Jesus is is kind of telling the large crowds and his disciples, you know, the cost of what it is to be to be a disciple. But he goes into this, which I think it's kind of interesting that he does this. He says uh, in Luke 14, uh, starting in verse 28, it says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down, estimate the cost and see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to suppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send uh, a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. 
In the same way, those who do not give up everything uh, you have cannot be my disciples. Yes, he's talking about, you know, obviously what the cost is. But it's almost like he's talking about, you know, the weight of the cost. You know, a person sitting down, you know, kind of laying this foundation that's being described. Um, I think this directly applies with the gift of administration. That person will sit down, if, like he says, if it's a king who's going to war with another king. A person's not just going to say, let's go, who has the gift of administration. They're going to count the cost. They're going to see, you know, what has to be done to win, what has to be done to succeed. Um, and this is why... You know, we see, you know, maybe the gift of a leadership and administration sometimes can work together in a person. But let's say you're in a church where you're leading your church in that godly vision of whatever you're supposed to do. Maybe that person with the vision can't quite grasp all the details. Mm. So the person with the gift of administration comes in and kind of lays the plans out. That doesn't take away from the person with the gift of leadership or does it take away from the person that has a gift of administration? This is why Paul urgently tells us to work as one body. Um, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. Um, and I think when, when we're talking about these gifts, that can never lead our perspective. Because glorifying God must be in all that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and especially within these gifts, because we can't fully execute the gift of administration without also realizing who God is. Um, and why we should glorify Him, why we should lay out detailed plans. Because our, we know our God has the gift of administration. His mm -hmm. Holy Spirit has that gift. Um, he's laid detailed plans out. Um, he had things worked out from the beginning of the world, beginning of the heavens. Our God is a very detail-oriented God. Mm -hmm. um, just like he's a, He has the gift of leadership and He has the gift of shepherding. Um, and I think those are definitely things to think about. Yeah. Phil, I, I asked you last week which biblical character you thought had the gift of encouragement. Which biblical character do you think had the gift of administration? The um, answer might surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll go. I, <laughs> I could say easily what I said last week, which is. Jesus, uh -huh. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, there's tons of different New Testament figures that had the gift, especially within the early church. When you think about, you know, the things that they might have had to, you know, have gone through, um, you know, the gift of administration probably definitely had to come up, but I would say David uh, mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, I mean, any king, a good biblical king mm -hmm. um, would, would really have this gift because I think a king needs this gift. Um, yes, the king also probably delegated a lot of this, um, and that's a good a good thing for the gift of leadership as well. But, you know, when you think of biblical times, for some reason in my head, they got this big old map laid out. They got, you know, men on one side, men on another side, which way they're going to, you know, flank left or right. You know, how are they going to attack? Are they going to attack in the morning? Are they going to attack at night? Um, there's so many different vari variables when it comes to this, and I think, you know, especially for God's chosen people, God probably initiated a lot of this, maybe through the gift of administration. Mm. So that's my first thought. Yeah, I, I think God is a great answer, obviously. <laughs> uh, when you look at stuff like setting up the temple or like the temple mm. robes and all that sort of stuff, 
That wasn't like Moses and Aaron figuring it all out for themselves. That was God directly telling them, hey, this is what you got to do. This is who you're going to have do it. But I was specifically thinking of Nehemiah and rebuilding the walls. Yeah, just that bringing everyone in, telling them what parts of the wall they're going to work on, how they're going to get it done, Mm -hmm. telling them not to be afraid. Yeah. Uh, Nehemiah. 414 or is it 214 i'm gonna say 414 because it's my verse is uh after nehemiah made an inspection he stood up and looked at the the crowds and the country and his countrymen and all the people standing there and he said don't be afraid of them when people are coming to oppose them remember the great and awe-inspiring lord and fight for your sons and daughters your countrymen your wives and your homes Mm -hmm. and i think that was just his way of saying Hey, we have a goal. We have a plan. Don't be afraid. We're going to get this done. Because even though administration is a little bit more, quote unquote, boring, it's still a gift of a leader. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to encourage as well. Yeah. So, Phil, we're going to move on to our next gift, which would be the gift of shepherding or pastoring, if you will. Mm -hmm. So you want to go ahead and lead us in that? Uh, Yeah. And I think to be able to... Because it was, I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit difficult to try to find the difference between just the gift of leadership and the gift of shepherding. And I was just trying to compare. They're very similar. But I think the biggest thing, you know, you got to look at is shepherding. What does a shepherd's responsibility entail? Um, And I I was kind of doing some research, looking around, you know, trying to figure out what all did shepherds do. And there are some of the responsibilities that I kind of found is that they kept a lookout for predators, they protected the sheep from attackers, they cared for wounded and sick sheep, nursing them back to health, they rescued them uh, if they became lost or trapped, they spent enormous amounts of time with them guiding them to places of nourishment and rest, Uh, and the shepherd, the sheep were so attuned to the voice of the shepherd that basically if like the sheep would get lost within another herd and get all mixed up, that they would hear the shepherd's voice and return back to him. And I think that speaks very highly of the gift of shepherding or pastoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really shows that these people are willing to follow the shepherd, willing to follow their pastor. And a person with the gift of pastoring, that is how it is. You, when you think of a pastor, there's a lot of things you think of, you know, uh, they're going to be able to teach you the word of God. They're going to be able to nourish you with spiritual food. They're going to be able to take care of you in ways maybe like if you're sick in the hospital, a lot of times your pastor is going to come and visit you. Mm. Um, Not necessarily the gift of leadership would do that. Not to say that it doesn't happen because like I said, all these you might want to practice in your spiritual walk, in your Christian walk. Um, They're all good practices. But with with a gift like this, it's heightened to the ability that God's laid a responsibility on your heart for the flock. Um, he's laid a responsibility that's very, very held high uh, in the church, um, and that's a good thing. It's a lot of times can be a, a nerve-wracking thing uh, with pastors and some of those things. But this is why I'll go back to Proverbs sixteen nine: the heart of a man plans his ways. But the Lord establishes his steps. That's the same thing with shepherding. We can't shepherd 
without the help of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the good shepherd, yeah. the perfect shepherd. And I think, you know, you know, the Holy Spirit gives this spiritual gift to, to do lots and lots of things within the church. And we see pastors a lot of times will have the gift of leadership and administration because they need it in their church. Not necessarily always. Um, I know a lot of pastors who struggle with the gift of administration who might have a hard time laying out all the details. So they set you know, some people up, they delegate a couple things, and it really works as long as everybody understands who their God is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when we see leadership, some jealousies and some of those things can arise, but they never will arise if we remember who our God is and what His kingdom has for us. Mm-hmm. When we have the kingdom of God in our sight, we don't care who has the gift of administration, the idea that, oh, I wish I had it. All, all you care about is where my gift falls into the kingdom. How do we as a church come together with our leadership, with our encouragement and mercy and giving and, and all the other gifts that we're going to talk about? How, how do we advance the kingdom of God with this? And a leader will take that and a shepherd will take this and really put those things in perspective for the flock mm-hmm. so that they can do what maybe the gift of leadership, you know, to move on with the vision. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point with the the putting things into perspective for the flock, because that's a lot of the time that's what people struggle with, especially when they see someone else succeeding. We've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but oftentimes you know jealousy occurs. We see someone who might be growing in their faith faster than we are, or getting a spot on staff or getting put into a ministry that we might not necessarily want. But we don't want that person getting it because uh, it elevates them over us. Mm-hmm. Shepherding puts things into perspective for the flock. I think you've said that great. The main goal of the shepherd is to take care of the flock. So when you mention stuff about being able to detect potential threats and protect the flock, that made me think a lot about discernment. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely see those two gifts going hand in hand yeah. because... If you aren't able to see a wolf in sheep's clothing, mm-hmm. exactly, that's going to be bad news. And then I also think, and I don't know if you mentioned this, uh, when it comes to discipline, knowing how severe to discipline uh, someone when they have stepped out of line mm-hmm. or are actively stepping out of line, mm-hmm. how to approach someone in sincerity and correct a inappropriate behavior. Yeah, um, and the shepherd definitely had to discipline the sheep sometimes mm-hmm. to... To get them to go where they needed to go. Yeah. Um, the verse that I kind of, I was like, you know, what's the best verse that I can get for pastoring? And there's, I could go a lot of different places. I could go to Titus. I could go to Timothy and give you description of what this, per, this overseer shepherd looks like. Um, I didn't want to do that because there's a lot of stuff in that. I would encourage you, if you think you have this gift, to read those because I think they're beneficial to understand because there are a little bit of requirements when it comes to, I would say, the gift of leadership um, and the gift of shepherding because we could also look at elders and, and deacons and some of those things within the church, you know, kind of make, you know, the, the frame of it because mm-hmm. there are some requirements and, and it's good to know. Um, but ultimately you need to ask God. But I said, you know, I looked here and I found John 10 starting in verse 11 through 18, which reads, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not uh, of this sheep pen. I must also, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And that's Jesus speaking about how he is the good shepherd. He is the one true shepherd. Um, but... It's cool to see how God works. Is we a lot of times through these gifts we get to partake in something that's spiritual, mm. something that's everlasting, um, and I think there in those verse those verses where it talks about him him coming and laying down his life, um, this is also true for a pastor in his church. A pastor is willing to lay down his life for the flock, and I I do think it's it's really cool that a lot of times a pastor will will be also outward focused. And the fact that he's also wanting people that are outside the church to come within the flock to follow uh, into wherever God has them. You know, Eric says, you know, and even if they're not, you know, part of my sheep, I'm going to bring them too. I'm going to bring them also. I think that's very powerful. There's no shepherd that does it like Jesus does it, of course, but we need to be striving. Mm -hmm. If you have the gift of shepherding, we need to be striving to be more like the good shepherd. Yeah. So... So looking at all, all three of these with just them being the gifts of leadership, how do you think, you know, as a whole, Ben, those things should look like in the church? Yeah, right off the bat, these are all gifts of leadership, like what we've been saying. So these are people in positions of authority, or maybe not necessarily authority, but positions of influence. Yeah. And a lot of times those can be the same thing. You might have someone on in your church who isn't on staff, isn't a pastor, but if they say something, it's going to get heard, it's going to mm -hmm. get believed, and it's going to have an impact. I, and either way, whichever, whichever one of those that this falls into, I think the, the verse that I picked out was 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, and it reads, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, uh, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above, above reproach, mm -hmm. the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker. Phil, no, just kidding. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil does not drink. That's just me being a goof. Uh, not a bully, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household uh, competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into, dis into disgrace in the devil's trap. This is just laying out some of the guidelines if you're going to be a leader. And I think these verses encapsulate all three of these gifts. Mm -hmm. Especially that being above reproach. As leaders in any capacity, you need to walk the walk and talk the talk. You yeah. got to be above reproach. Paul basically kind of describes leadership or authority within the church as 
one that is able to be imitated. Um, and he kind of sometimes goes to the extreme to say, you know, imitate me, which is a, a very bold thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he also always kind of follows it up with this idea because I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a good leader. One that imitates Christ so they also can be imitated. That's not a bad thing as long as the people that are following the leader understand who the leader's following. Um, and I think, you know, with those things, you know, you know, a church actively using these gifts are going to be movers. They're going to be on fire. They're going to be ready for whatever God has from whatever that godly vision is. They're going to be go-getters because they're able to lead the people there. They're able to get the details worked out and they're able to take care of the flock. Mm-hmm. Um, those three things right there are very big within the church because like a lot of times these are people maybe with some authority within the church um you know people that you know have some positions have some influence like like you said and they're the ones that are really going to get the church started they're going to get it moving they're going to get it going um and hopefully with the idea of also bringing the people following to the same place Uh, a leader who doesn't have that in mind is not going to be a good leader they're not going to they're not going to use the gift, whatever God, you know, leadership, administration, or shepherding, the way that God intended it to be used. Yeah, well, Phil and I uh, participated in a leadership training, and the speaker at the time talked about leadership in three distinct categories, and they kind of fall in line with these gifts. And if I get this wrong, I apologize, but it'll be good either way. <laughs> so the three categories were a visionary, a builder, and a sustainer. Yeah. So leadership is that visionary. They're casting that godly vision. This is what God has called us to do. Let's go get it done. That builder, they're the administrator. They're going to be able to get things accomplished. These are our goals. This is how we're going to get it done. You do this, you do this, you do this. And that sustainer, they're the shepherd. They take care of the flock. They make sure that everything's going smooth along the way. And then once everything's all said and done, they make sure everything keeps going until a new vision is casted or and that same vision is expanded. Yeah. So, you know, with all those things, I think what I would say my final thought is don't be afraid to seek out whatever God has for you. If it's the gift of leadership, don't be afraid to ask God to help you use this gift with all the gifts. Don't be afraid to ask God Um, And I mean, ask him in a way that you're earnestly seeking it out. Because when we do those things, we can easily do what we sometimes say here in the church, a drive-through prayer. And it doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning behind it. But I think you need to sit down with with you and God only, uh, maybe occasionally talk to somebody about it. Say, hey, I might have this gift. I don't know how to use it. Can you help me? Um, Those are good things to ask maybe people who also have the gift of leadership. All those things, it's so cool to watch how God puts people in different places to execute a godly vision, to execute people's walk with Christ, to help them establish their own godly vision in their life, which will incorporate whatever God gift God has placed on their heart. So this weekly verse is Matthew 20, 26 through 28, which says, Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, now before this episode concludes, don't click away. Phil and I want to jump on that bandwagon of making sure that we ask you to like our page, Kingdom Faith, on Facebook. Or if you are at a place where you can subscribe, like on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe. That that helps us out. That helps us see how many people we have listening. And that also helps you get plugged into the community because we're just starting out and we want to expand. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a shout out. Those things are all great. Now, if you want to tune out, you can. But that concludes this episode of Kingdom Faith. As always, if you'd like to leave us a comment or a request for an episode, you can email us at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Kingdom Faith. Kingdom Faith.